0: Good afternoon, Wednesday, 3rd of March, um, episode 27 of So What's Been Happening. Bring up a good mate of ours, Lovey. How are you, Alan? Good, mate. How are you? Good, mate. I don't think I've actually ever actually called you, Alan, so that was one out of the box.
1: I feel like I'm in trouble, mate.
0: No, never.
2: Aaron. Never, mate.
0: Good to see you on a Wednesday afternoon, 4 o'clock. Um, yeah. We all, be, we all should be working, but largely we, we kind of are anyway, so... Great to get an opportunity to chat to our next guest. Yeah,
1: the old hump day done and dusted, isn't it? Almost. It's good.
0: Yeah, I don't know about you, mate, but the start of the week week tends to go a little bit slower and then it ramps ramps up quickly after hump day with a good couple of things to look forward to on the weekend. So can't wait to uh, get out to a couple of gigs again.
1: Yeah, yeah. Looking forward to it, mate. Friday night should be a ripper.
0: So yeah, just uh, this Friday night uh, at um, Swamplands in Thornbury, we've got Dave Cosmer and Charles Jenkins, so that'll be a Mm. great show. And then this Friday night, um, the Corner Hotel, uh, album launch for the Casanovas. So great to see the Casanovas still pumping away, mate, after 20 years, um, with Wolfie now joining the band not long ago for a new recording. Mm. Uh, It'll be great to, uh, to get those boys back on the stage again. They, we did a show, they did a show just before COVID and then everything got shut down And and now uh, I think everyone is in album release mode, mate Which is great to see And great to see so many people out and about uh, over the last weekend or so Hopefully in Melbourne we can keep that for a little while
1: Yeah, I read a statistic today I think it was food and beverages up by 70% Pubs are up by 65% since that five-day lockdown And, um, <coughs> excuse me And, yeah uh, can't remember, something else was up by about 70%, so hopefully that continues and then starts to thrive a bit more. That'll be good.
0: Yeah, definitely. That's definitely uh, a good sign of things to mm. come, hopefully. Um, 50%, I believe, is the target for AFL kicking off and NRL. That'll be uh, that'll be great news to get a crowd out there again.
1: Yeah, well, three weeks out from round one or two weeks, is it? Um, I'd like to think that would almost get the 75 by round one, 75%, but... Um, there's no reason it can't be 75% before round four and then 100% not long after that. We should be back to normal almost. Well, hopefully we will be.
0: That'd be yeah, great. I think there's going to be a bit of pressure from the AFL to try and jam as many numbers in there as quick as they can. And so, Joe um,
1: Public.
0: Yeah, and, and absolutely. I mean, I'd hate to be a Collingwood or a Richmond member knowing you've got 50% capacity and trying to go into a ballot these days of, uh not so much a problem at the Demons, mate. We... Uh, we we pack them out regardless, mate. So we get our standard ten thousand in there, and as long as we what? keep winning, we might get to fifteen or twenty thousand.
1: I don't know why you wouldn't give up your own home game for Essen to come and play at the MCG, mate. It just come on, mate. You should be giving us the the opportunity to make more money. It's it's good for Melbourne in the long run. Come on.
0: Yeah, look, it is. Uh, look, you, as you know, <laughs> mate, we uh, our home games are traditionally in Darwin these days, mate. So we uh, don't worry, we travel.
1: I was going to say, isn't it isn't they out
0: at uh, Shepley Oval in on or something now? Yeah, not far. Not you, can far play the Do- you
1: can play the Dockers out
0: there. Yeah. Um, wasn't that long ago we, we played a couple of games. We played in London for one. Um, yeah. And then I'm pretty sure we played a game in LA or somewhere similar to that um, back years ago. So it uh, be interesting to see if AFL ever gets to travel again. I don't think China's going to be on the agenda in a hurry. Oh no, nah. no.
1: Nah. Not unless you call the Batmans or something like that I don't know yeah. Oh
0: be... you never know We could get a team no up chance. out of Tassie Out of Tassie based in China Called the Tassie oh, Bats man. Who knows
1: That could be a one hour conversation in its own right <laughs> Why that hasn't
0: happened It should have happened by now But
1: you know Anyway
0: As you Love know Love the mate. Tassies They've got an opportunity It's just about, have. Uh, They are overseas Don't forget. So no international travel man. <laughs> We won't be going to Tassie <laughs> Yeah, strange mob. Yes. So, show twenty-seven, mate. This is an exciting one. Um, fair to say, I, I've known about the, as we all have known about the famous Ruse family for a long time, and mm. and to see this young man doing some great things, um, not only through his own career, but now what he's he's uh, doing post football and um, in his life now, mentoring young, not only young men, but in specific instance, uh, young men sixteen to twenty-two. So, what a critical age! And l- really look forward to talking to Dylan Ruse, the son of the great Paul Ruse.
1: Yeah, yeah, he's um he's already quite an impressive young man. Um, you know, he's, I don't want to speak about his father too much because he's got his own he's got his own name and his own rights in life. But uh, yeah, I think whatever Paul crammed in by the age of by the same age, I reckon Dylan. I reckon Dylan's done a bit more from a global perspective. I reckon it's fantastic. I think the way that, you know, we haven't got enough people that help that, our young guys out. Um, so the more of the, more of the Dylan Rouge out there, the better off that certainly our society will be. yeah, um, You know, I see, we, we you and I, we see it every day with young fellas. We know that we'd love to be able to help them and guide them somewhere. Um, but Dylan's just, you know, he's walking the walk on that stuff. It's great to see.
0: Yeah, we'll, uh, we'll talk to Dylan in a second. Um, but I know myself having a boy that's 24 now, um, you know, if I could have had someone in that mentoring role, because let's face it, no one wants to listen to you, listen to your dad, right? Um, no. You're at that age where dad's not the one you listen to. It's my possibly dad's mate if you're lucky. Um, but after that, uh, I think over time, you know, to have someone mentor. Hmm. mentor kids uh, especially boys um going through what uh we've all been through in life um it'll be great to have someone steering the ship a little bit or know you're in good hands i reckon i was about
1: 30 and i realized oh yeah yeah that was that was right on so many things you know and that, yeah. you know, penny dropped on a few things there um it's a learning curve but yeah if someone else it's always good that it's someone that, that third party voice um and normally they're the ones to get listened to a fair bit. So interested you see what Dylan's got to say? I'm looking forward to it actually.
0: Right. Oh, so without uh that sounds like a good segue. as any mate into the uh, bring up our guest? Here yep. we are. The young up and coming. And if he's not already, he's uh he's well and truly on his way. The youngster, Dylan Ruse. How are you, Dylan? <laughs>
3: G'day boys. What an introduction! I tell you what, I could just sit backstage listening to you two talk about me all night. So, thank you very much. I appreciate the kind words.
1: No stuff up now, mate.
3: Exactly right. A lot of pressure you boys. You boys have put me under. (laughs) Nah, not at all.
0: Firstly, mate, thanks for joining us um, on So What's Been Happening, episode twenty-seven. Just a little bit of background, mate, because I don't know if I filled you in on kind of how this has come about. Um, It was obviously during COVID lockdown. Um, during that time we were allowed out in Melbourne for an hour's walk um, and during that phase we, uh, we'd catch up with a couple of mates here and there if we were lucky and the classic conversation of, uh, you know, asking the question, I wonder how Mac is going or Jono, you know, the classic Aussie icon names um, and yeah. some people hadn't heard from guys or we thought, well, why don't we jump on the Zoom call, which everyone did at that early stage and kind of, to be honest, that got pretty boring pretty quickly and that dropped off. So it was fine for the first couple, um, and then we sat down on a Sunday, one Sunday afternoon, and given we had a lot of musician mates as well, we kind of just went live with a Facebook live and caught up with mates around the world, which was great to hear. And it was never kind of past, supposed to go past episode one, to be perfectly honest, mate. And it's turned into uh, obviously up to twenty-seven now, and we've during that time we've had a lot of music guests on. Um, we've also had you know personal coaches similar to yourself on before having a chat about life and I think if nothing else mate that the plan for it really was to just talk about life and what's going on in your life and where we've been and you never know who's dialing in and who's watching later we do it as an audio podcast as well and you just never know who's listening Um, and there's always someone that can pick up on something so Mm. thanks again for joining us Dylan and really look forward to having a chat to you
3: yeah mate excited to be on here thank you
0: So, mate, uh, we just touched on quickly of uh, who you are and and your family background, and we don't want to go too deep into that, but obviously growing up as a ruse has its pros and cons, no doubt, um, for you as a young man. And um, just tell us a little bit about family life growing up um, in those early days and sport for you. Yeah,
3: yeah. I mean, obviously, for my younger brother, Tyler, and I, we, we didn't know any difference. So, um, it, it as, you, as you said, it, it was not, um, I guess, a normal upbringing. You know, I grew up around the footy club at the City Swans. Um, Dad was really good with, uh, you know, allowing everyone to kind of, you know, have a good work-life balance and have family members around the footy club and stuff. So, there was always kids running around or, um, yeah, family allowed... Um, to come visit so no more so than Tyler and I which we uh, took full advantage of going to see dad as much as we could at the club and um, you know after games we would be down in the in the locker room surrounded by all these awesome footy you know icons at the time but to us they were just these guys that we'd have a chat to after the game and if it was a if they'd won it was a good chat And if it was if it was a loss then we'd stay in the background and you know leave them leave them be uh so yeah, from from that point of view, it was amazing. Um, I had so many incredible mentors um, growing up, just basically through osmosis, just through being around them and being around the footy club. And um, you know, Dad really instilled in to Tyler and us some really great values from from a young age that you don't pick up on until you are older, and you look back and you go, oh, that's that's why I act the way that I do, or that's why I'm such a strong believer in X, Y, and Z, um, is because they were instilled at such a young age. So, yeah, the Ruse the the name, as you said, or the Ruse legacy, I think you said before I jumped on, has had some great pros growing up, and then obviously the, the cons that came along with that was, you know, every game of football... Tyler and I were, you know, singled out as boys and rah, but, You know, you're not playing too well, and you get heckled and stuff. So you, it was a con at the time, but also a pro in terms of you grow a pretty thick skin from an early age. So uh, there was always some some benefit uh, to take out of it in terms of my personal development or my personal growth as a as a young kid. But all in all, you know, I wouldn't wouldn't trade dad for the world. And um, on what you were saying, you boys were saying before too, and not listening to your to your dad. I I I, up until 1920, thought dad was an idiot. You know, I wouldn't listen to him. I had, you know, probably the best football coach anyone could ever ask, and he'd be teaching me how to kick, and I'd be going, oh, mate, you don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> this is how you kick a footy, mate. <laughs> so, so it's definitely not just a just a uh, rarity; it's a common occurrence for for boys to just go, no, nah, not listening to you, dad, not listening to you, mum.
1: Because you would look like an old unfit bloke trying to kick a footy too, right? And you'll go, oh, mate, just stop. <laughs> well to be fair he had a good kick and he's
3: super fit as well It was just yeah. it honestly was just a case of like nah I, I know better than you i'm i'm 15 16 and i know everything yeah yeah
0: yeah one thing uh he was was a, was a fit man all through his career um and mm. fit and got the best out of his his body and definitely his mind so i'm sure he's taught you some good things there but um Obviously, growing up, life after footy, mate. Um, what happened with your footy career, and where did it where did it suddenly halt for you?
3: Mm. So I was I played um, played for New South Wales under 18s and, and played Swan's reserves for for two years as well, and finished up playing in two thousand and end of two thousand thirteen, which I was nineteen years old. And what one of the one of the best things around growing up in a football environment is there are no delusions about what it takes to make it. I was never shocked that I, I wasn't shocked that I didn't get drafted. I I knew exactly where I stood at all times. I was in the Swans Academy as well. So I had some great coaches there in, in Chris Smith. Um, and so I got to 18, I had patellar tendonitis in both my knees, had to do about a nine month rehab in that and came back in my 19 season. And, and I never really viewed myself. I knew from I knew when I was 16, 16 17, I was like, I'm never going to be nothing. Nothing wrong with this, but it was never. I was never going to be the forty year old club footy player. That was never going to be me. So, I kind of did my under nineteens year and and played played all right. Played Swan reserves and was enjoying it. And I just thought in you know, that season, I was like, this isn't this isn't something that I'm overly passionate about. That I'm going to kill myself in every off season to get fit for a footy. Being so competitive and and growing up playing you know at such a high level at every step of the way, I didn't want to just half ass it. So I was like, you know what, I'm I'm not willing to, to kill myself every off season to keep playing footy yeah. when I didn't really like. My brother loves it, so my brother he, he he took his first season off last year to travel for a year, but he's back in Australia and playing again. He absolutely loved it. He played Nephil and VFL, and you know he definitely should have gotten drafted. He was just on the outskirts and should he have gotten drafted, he would have, he would have killed it inside a football club. But um, yeah, he, he definitely had that passion and that drive to keep going. Whereas I I got to 18, 19, and I was like, no, nah, this isn't this isn't what I want to do.
1: I think it's um I think it's important you were able to call that out pretty quick though. Like it's it's good yeah. that you did because you know, even at the local level, you see some kids they want to try and play something in football, VFL mm. or first tier EFL for instance. And Yeah they're just banging their heads up against the wall and they're wondering why the hell it's not working um, yeah. sometimes sometimes you just have to try and accept that it's just not for me and yeah. there's various reasons for that unfortunately i was a 40 year old club football that you were mentioning just before yeah. but, <laughs>
2: um, but um i think uh,
1: yeah I, if you've got that if you've got the maturity i guess or the or the willingness to say hey i'm not doing it i think that's got to be a benefit i think Um, And it'd be good to get your thoughts on it. I was always thinking about the whole Sylvani thing that happened last year and it wasn't so much the older Sylvani I was concerned about, the the two boys, but it was Ben. And Ben was brought into that club, massive expectations, blah, blah, blah. Um, That all just blew up and then he was delisted. I I always wonder, and it'd be good to hear what your insights or thoughts might be on it. If you were Ben... How would you deal with that? Like, it's, a, it's pretty rough. He would have been only 20 when he was actually advised. Mm. Nah, it's not for you anymore. Yeah. I think,
3: I think first of all, um, the, the, the biggest disconnect in anything but sport is, is, is highlighted and, and with the work that I do with young boys, it's highlighted too, is that the disconnect between a goal and the actions people are taking towards <laughs> their goals to become an AFL footballer is no easy feat, and it's not not that it's a big goal or it's an impossible goal. It just depends on what you're doing every single day. Are you playing? Are you kicking the footy every day? Are you fit? Like are you are you going for runs three, four, five times a week? You know, dad. Dad told us from an early age his schedule when he was playing part-time footy when he played, so he had a full-time job and then was running five days a week to keep fit, training three days a week, and then playing on Saturdays. So he he had one day off where he'd take Sundays off to rest, and then he was back on it. And I see the, the good part about also having... So my mum's American, for those who don't know, is that I'm very heav- heavily influenced by the American culture too, is that you, you you see it a lot more in American culture that athletes will do anything and everything to achieve their goals. They, they, they go above and beyond to do whatever it takes. Mm. Um, Whereas in Australian culture, I think the biggest um, downfall for young athletes, young aspiring athletes, is looking to very talented footballers who don't put a lot of effort in and thinking that they can become highly talented footballers without putting a lot of effort in. And so I remember I, I was fortunate enough to sit in in a couple meetings through a draft combine one year. And, you know, they're, they're asking these boys, you uh, you know, one of them was coming back from injury. Do you think you've done everything? Yeah, I've done every single thing I could possibly do. I could not have done a single thing more to get myself back from, um, to get myself back from injury. And then, you know, they ask a few other questions and they go, okay, so do you drink much? And oh yeah, I drink every now and again. Okay. Did you, did you drink much this year? Oh yeah. You know, just like, on Saturdays and that, you know, just a few beers and rah, rah, And it's like, okay, so do you think you did everything you could to get back from injury then? Oh, 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 and then it kind of clicks. Like you're actually not doing everything you can to get back from injury. And there's so much more that you can do. And the biggest, again, with the work that I do with young boys, it's like they set these goals and I'm like, mate, you can do this goal, but you, I don't think you understand what it's going to take for you to achieve Hmm. or at least look back and go, I gave it my all. So, Hey, it's not for me, and I and I and that's fine. But at least I gave myself one hundred percent effort. And I look back at my bask. I loved basketball growing up, and I look back and I had a really good un- uh, year eleven year and a really average year twelve year. And I look back on that, and I don't I don't look back on that with regret to how I played. I look back on regret to how much effort I put into that year. I go because I didn't play very well, but I look and I go, geez, I could have trained like every day, and I wasn't. I could have put up more shots. I could have done all these extra things and I would have had such a better year 12 year um, so that, that's that's the disconnect and I, you know to, to circle back to Silvani I actually used you know Jack, Jack Watts is probably a better example if, if yeah. he didn't go number one draft pick would he have had so much scrutiny like if he had gone number 20 number 30 he's probably a pretty decent footballer that has a pretty good career and flies a little bit under the radar doesn't get as much scrutiny um, and has a good career whereas we he elevated an 18 year old um i think i think you know i think jack went was captain at 19 or 20 of a horrible football club at the time like that's yeah. a lot of that's a lot of bloody pressure to put on to put on a boy and then to have to be publicly scrutinized every single day for your entire career and no matter where you go even when he got traded like you know you you have to be incredibly mentally resilient to overcome that and continue going, which which I met Jack a bunch of times, which he is, um, but it doesn't drown out, doesn't completely drown out the noise in the in the wider social conversation. I
1: think you raise you raise a really good point for me. In, in there's, it's not just the kid that's involved there, and I, I suppose that's why it's important. Our third party people like yourself, straight away, I go to. Well, hold on. Who are the parents in the room in all this, by the way? Well, who are the adults? Um, you know, some of the adults that made those decisions on Paul Jack to make him captain of Melbourne Footy Club at 20 when they were absolutely rock bottom. I mean, you don't do that. You just... You don't do that to a kid. He is still just a kid. He hasn't even celebrated 21 birthday, right? So... And there's other decisions that are pretty poor across the, So, for me... It's, it's good to know that there can be people out there that these young guys can step to, not just the adults that are full, you know, straight at them in the room, because that's pressure. doesn't matter what the environment is. Pressure is pressure. Yeah. Job interviews, a whole lot. But if there's a person that can be an outlet for them, I think that's really good. Mm. Absolutely.
0: Yeah, I think... Uh... Sadly, Melbourne, Melbourne has been one of those clubs that uh, is really pushing and wants success desperately and did everything they could to... There was must have been a lot of pressure on that club to put Jack out there early. Um, and to be fair to Jack, he actually went really well early in the piece. And then it wasn't until that kind of time where he... That famous game where he absolutely got mauled by Collingwood um, in that famous game. And then... Uh, sadly, you know, Melbourne's traditionally done that to a few of the young blokes and to the point where they've even made young blokes captain uh, way too early, and I think, uh, geez, I'd loved would have absolutely killed to have your dad there earlier in the piece, mate, and he would I'm sure he would have loved to have had Jack Watts uh, as a young kid coming through the club, um, because there weren't too many kids that had come direct from you know, high school straight in a lot of kids were coming through that under-18s comp, and I think uh, those kind of kids were ready, but yeah, look, uh, that was the only joy of being down low in the ladder was getting high draft choices, but uh, yep. they didn't always pan out that way. And, and geez, so much pressure on a top 10 kid, really, and still is today, to be fair. Um, but I think they come in a little bit more prepared now, even from a media point of view. Um, the fitness is just a, you know, A1. They absolutely know what level they need to be at. You see any of these kids at these draft camps now, and they kind of look like they've already played a year, first year of AFL.
1: Yeah. I think, I think yeah. is, uh, to touch on that though, and Dylan, appreciate your feedback on this. You've got to be really careful about making these kids robots too. Like, uh, yeah, you want to keep them on a straight and narrow. You want to make sure they don't they avoid trouble and the rest of it. But to do that, for me, you still got to make sure they still understand what the world looks like on the outside. And you talk about, it's been years, talk about years about this whole AFL's a bubble, AFL's a bubble. Sometimes that's true. Because of all these sort of things, you want to make sure they they avoid everything at all costs. But especially when they're finished, and some of them are finished within two years, mm. uh, there's got to be a balance of exposing them a little bit to that sort of stuff. So it's 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 hard to balance that. And yeah, I see them come back to local football and they battle a little bit with it. Mm.
3: Yeah, absolutely. And, and it's it's yeah, it's tough balance. And I think footy clubs are. You know, I think the average. I think the average career is three or five years. The last I looked into it, and that, the average career of a player. Because you remember, a hundred kids get drafted every year. Um, so you know, Tyler had a bunch of mates that got drafted, and they're you know out by two, three years' time. Clubs do a pretty good job now of going, okay, you have to be doing something. Like you, you're you're drafted, but you, you have to be at uni part time, or you have to be learning a trade part time. Um, you have to be doing something part time now. So they do do a yep. good job of. I guess, balancing at that aspect. Um, I don't think there's any shortage of footy players experiencing the real world, (laughs) which I think we can gather from some, some headlines and some gossip news and all that sort of garbage. So I think they're experiencing society just as much as probably a little bit too much.
0: Yeah, they're not hanging out to be uh, eSport champions, mate. That's for sure. And I know, uh, I know, I know, esports <laughs> and that sort of stuff is is high on the high on the agenda when you're in a, in the bubble. But when you're out of yeah. the bubble, I'm sure. Uh, and to be fair to the guys, like yourself, we're just all human beings at the end of the day. And there's no reason yeah. why these boys shouldn't get out and enjoy a bit of company. Mm. Sadly, we're in a in a phase of life where you know there there's a lot of pressure on these kids to. Mm. Not only be mentors um, and heroes to to young kids as well, but mm. you know they get a lot of pressure on being out there in that local, um, you know, out there at pubs and stuff like that, and and uh, that pressure coming from other people, um, mm. whether it's wanting to have a chat, a photo, a beer, whatever, or a punch on. Worst yeah. case, you yeah. know, it's just so so unfair, and you know, you'd love to think that culture is going to change, but you know, it's been like that forever. Um, mm. I don't know how else, where else that can be different, apart from sadly, uh, a lot of the boys don't get to go out kind of during the season. Mm.
3: Yeah, and I I I talk about this with um with the boys that I mentor too because we've shifted even from a larger social aspect to where men now are under the microscope just in general. Men just in general under the microscope in terms of how we act, how we behave ourselves, how we talk, all those sorts of things, mm. and. The, the balancing act is hard. Where are we, are we being too hard on people? Are we not being hard enough? Well, it's difficult, but I just say the same thing to the boys and it's, it's, it's the same with footy players is any, any chance to turn yourself into a better person you, you, is just, it's just one that you have to take, take that uh, perspective on. So rather than looking at it as like, a, oh, I can't do anything and I've, you know, I can't muck up. It's like, look at it as like a okay, cool, I've got, people looking to me to be role models which means i have to be the best version of myself as often as i possibly can um so that i just try to frame it in a positive light i I mean i got i got i don't know if you know this when you were looking up my name or whatever but I, i got done for drink driving when i was 20 years old and i was in the news and i was like my whole life dad told me like you know the Rue's name is important. You've got to be careful. And I was like, yeah, yeah, like I I got it. I thought I did. I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah." like I get it. I get it. Like, you know, my, and I took it seriously up until then it happens. And you're like, what the, what someone is reporting this in news, radios, papers. I was like, this is uh, ridiculous. And then that's when I really understood it. I was like, okay, (laughs) I get it now. So, um, yeah, you've got to, you've just got to be really careful. Like making good decisions it's it's nothing you can do about it to be honest you know there was nothing i could have done about it except for not drink drove like that was on me you know i can sit around and complain and be like oh boo-hoo like why are there people reporting this news on me but in reality it's my decision to to get the car and and drive drunk so i just have to live with the consequences and go okay well you know for a hundred thousand different reasons i can't be doing that again
0: yeah, and well, the other thing that's out there now is obviously social media that wasn't out there back in the day. And mm. um, But uh, everyone's a reporter these days. Um, if there's yep. any chance that they can take a photo or, or get some sort of audio or um, video of someone doing something wrong, um, mm. famous or not, they'll try and do it. So mm. um, we, just as we touched on, um, on young guys and being out there in the market now, now we're seeing obviously AFLW getting such... Big prominence and pushed heavily with the AFL, and you know, young women are now we're doing going through exactly that same thing: mentors and and role models for young young girls. So it's great to have that balance now, especially pushing an AFL sport. Um, it'd be interesting to see how NRL adapt, and I know they have women's the women's league as well, but we don't get to hear too much about that um, in respect to the AFL because that's such a judging Yeah, but um, just tell us a little bit about. Um, the concept you've come up with here with Prince to King. I, I love the, I love just mm. even the, the title um, yep. and such a critical age for young men. Just tell us a little bit about that program.
3: Yeah. So I think you mentioned it right at the start is I was doing some research and looking into, okay, I want to start working with young boys. Let me, let me have a look at what's already out there. Let me look at my competitors and, To be frank, apart from school programs, group programs, um, obviously football clubs and and leadership programs like that, there was not a single thing I could personally find where there was one-on-one mentoring for young boys around this idea, just in general, but specifically around the idea of what does it mean to be a man and, you know, how do we transition from that critical age of being a teenager into manhood, you know, the... The classic rites of passage that we've had for thousands of years in Eastern cultures, but in indigenous cultures as well, has slowly over time um, completely disappeared where we have no real um, transition from boyhood to manhood. Like, you know, we've got when you're 18, you can drink. When When you're 16 or 17, you can start to drive. Right, but we don't actually teach young men. And I went to an all boys school and loved my experience there. But there, there's such a gap in the market for teaching young boys on on how to behave, on how to on how to give them the tools to critically think for themselves, on how to show up in integrity, um, and how to go from being a prince to a king. And for, and for me, you know, I take the the Jungian perspective, Carl Jung, the the psychologist. Um, his perspective on what a king is, which is the base, you know, at a base level is just to be of service to other people and to, and to serve other people, to serve your kingdom. Right. So I talk a lot about that within, within the confines of my program. Um, and it really was born out of my own, I guess, personal story around suffering from depression and anxiety, um, and really getting into a place where I was struggling, um, Mentally, when I was about 20 years old, I went through a, a bad breakup with my girlfriend at the time. And, you know, if you'd asked me how I was going, I was fine. I just didn't have the awareness or the self-awareness to actually, um, to actually properly uh, answer that question. And so six months of gradually drinking more and more and eating more and more McDonald's and not working out and not meditating, you know, all these practices and good habits that i built up over a lifetime, and they all fell away. And in came bad habits. You know, it was no wonder that I was depressed and anxious after six months of that. And then you also pack on the fact that I'd gone through a breakup and I hadn't properly dealt with that. I did what 90% of young men and I, not even young men, just what men do. I went out and drank and tried to sleep with every girl I laid my eyes on. So um, it, it, it really was a chance when I am now, you know, now I'm 26, a bit older I'd like to think I'm a little bit wiser than I was when I was 20. Um, you know that this opportunity to go, I can give back to these boys. Who's, you know, dad kept dad dad kept pushing me. He's like, who's going to actually, you know, who's who's the low hanging fruit? Who's going to listen to you, you know, young men? And so um, I have another business called Momentum um, that I run with two business partners where we where we mentor, you know, 30, 35 year olds plus, and and my two business partners are 35 and 36. So that's a, that's a bit easy for the three of us to sell that mentoring but for me personally being 26 it was like yeah let's let's help out where I where I can help out the most and so um you know I really resonate with what the boys are going through you know it was 8 years ago that I was in high school um and so I remember the social anxieties i remember the edu, you know the educational anxieties I, I remember playing sports on weekends and how stressed out you get before that and how much importance you place on playing well and you know, um, yeah, you, you put up that, that photo now around, <clears throat> you know, young men don't typically seek help. They don't really talk about their feelings. We've, we've been, you know, taught from a young age. And I had, I had great parents, but one of the, I had two kind of really clear standout moments for me when I was younger that, upon reflection, really shaped me was when I was about 10 years old. And, and dad and I always get into an argument over what actually happened. I say he pushed me over <laughs> at the park because we were playing footy. I say he pushed me. He reckons I've tripped. Um, so I will give both sides of the story. I usually don't give both sides. I usually just say he pushed me. So And I fell onto a sewer pipe drain down at, down at Bronte Park and broke my collar. Oh, well, no. I remember I was, no, I was about no. ten, 10, 9, 10 years old and I'm wailing, crying. And, um, you know, dad's telling me to get up, stop crying, you're embarrassing me, rah, 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 all these sorts of things. And... Again, upon reflection, that was the last time I ever cried from a physical injury, and then I probably didn't cry for a really long time after that anyway. And so small things like that where, where you know, there's a great TED talk, I can't remember what it's called either, where, where this African-American man's talking about the different ways in which he treats his daughter compared to his son. His daughter comes crying. He's like, I'll oh, come here, it's okay. His son comes crying. By the time the son's already there, he's pissed off, and he's like, why the hell are you crying? Act like a man. Um, and it's, you know, it's true. I see that in in so many instances across society where we we do allow women to process their emotions and that's a big reason as to why when they get to adulthood they are better at processing their emotions versus men we develop unhealthy coping mechanisms and unhealthy ways to deal with our emotions as they arise you know we say it's you know everything's going to be okay and we'll be right and we'll just push on and get through it and You know, a lot of the time it's not okay. You know, worst case scenario, you look at the statistics, especially in in Australia around mental illness, seven out of eight suicides every day are men. So there's fundamentally a problem amongst male culture in terms of how we treat each other. But also it's not, you know, I say male culture, really it's society because women get uncomfortable when men cry. You know, a lot of women, not again, we're speaking generally here, a lot of men are good at handling their mates crying again we're, we're progressing but generally speaking people are uncomfortable around men crying you know we we kind of see especially when we start to see a, a father figure or a male we really look up to who we deem to be strong they start crying it's like oh my god what the hell do i do with this emotion um and so uh you know educating people around that and to bring it full circle, I tend to rant in these questions. I think that's a trait that I picked up from Rosie um, is, you know, that's one of the, one of the big things that I uh, I teach the boys. It's like, guys, it's totally okay to cry. Like, fuck, I cry all the time. Um, mm. I went through a breakup last year and moved to Hawaii and spent three months going down to the beach and just crying. And now I'm like, my mental health is the best it's ever been because I properly dealt with what I needed to deal with. And now I'm, you know on top of the world but you you take me back to when I was 20 and six months after a breakup I'm struggling a year after a breakup I'm struggling two years I'm still thinking about her and checking her Instagram and it's like it's a common thing guys just don't admit it or talk about it but I see so many of my mates years after a breakup still going that still hurts that still that still doesn't sit well and women are like fine it They're, they're you know, they've dealt with their emotions in a healthy way. So that's a a big part of my work and a big driver behind why I got involved in in working with young boys.
0: And that's such a critical age, 16 to 22. Um, Any reason specifically that bracket? Or you just think that's one of the most influential periods that you can capture and they've had a bit of life experience and turn them a little bit at that point?
3: Exactly right. Um, I think... 16 to 22, 16 to 22 year olds, you can have any conversation that you want with them, and there's no, I never like, you know, I don't have to watch my language around them. There's like that, those sorts of small nuances where I can just be myself and talk to them, and you know, asking about girls and parties and all that sort of stuff. And they're at an age where it's not like I feel uncomfortable. I'm like, oh, should I tell their parents or something that they're drinking on the weekends? It's like, well, they're 17, 18, their parents probably know that they're drinking on the weekends right so it's just it's just for me that critical critical age where so much is going on you hit 14 your testosterone levels rise 400 percent um you start starting to spend time around social circles where you may be pressured into doing things that you're not that you actually don't want to do and so how do you handle that when you're 16 and you don't want to drink but all your mates are going you know, you're a pussy for not drinking, right? Like how do you actually, there's no, you know, your your parents tell you like, you know, you can come to me and speak, but how often do you actually go to your parents to talk about that sort of thing for fear of getting into trouble or for fear of any number of reasons? So you tend to just not, you tend to just deal with it yourself, right? Or maybe you've got one mate who doesn't drink and you two will try to stick together or so. The 16 to to 22, your bracket has such a, important effect on what happens in the rest of your life, or at least until, until you probably until your 30s or so, like that, those sort of decisions that you make and the people you decide to hang out with, you know uh, you leave high school you lose a lot of structure, men need structure, we, 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 we thrive within it, even if, even the boys and the guys who are like, I don't like structure, it's like you give them structure and they thrive within it, you leave high school, it's like, come to uni if you want to, no one's going to tell you you have to but if you don't come you're going to fail. So there's so much, you know, outside of high school that that men need supporting. Men, men and women, but obviously I work with men need supporting. Um and then and then pur- purpose and purpose and mission is is huge and I talk about that in both my businesses where you know what is, what is going to be your mission in life or what's going to be your purpose in life. And there's a great book called um, the second mountain and it talks a lot about, you know, everyone climbs the corporate ladder or they do something and that's called the first mountain, right? They, they set these extrinsic goals and they get to the top of that first mountain. They get to the top of it and they go, geez, this was completely unfulfilling. What, what do I do now? And then they got the second mountain where it's more mission based, purpose based, giving back, you know, similar to what you boys here have done with the podcast, right? You find something that's, Fuck, this, this is awesome. I get, we get to have conversations every week, um, you know, we get to engage with really cool people and, and then on the back of that, hopefully provide value and hopefully hopefully help people out, as you said, around, around so what's been happening. And so there's a mission involved in, in what you're doing here and, and that's, you know, I'm sure this doesn't feel like work to you. I'm sure this feels like you get to have fun and, and impact people and, you know, if it goes really well, then you get to impact a
1: bunch of people. Yeah, yeah exactly right. It's really interesting for me, Dylan, is I've got two boys, 21 and 22. So they're right in the hitting zone for you. And mm. a lot of what you said pretty much is spot on. Um, mm. But I think it is the most important age bracket to hit because, you know, I'm doing dumb shit. I'm 44. So it, it doesn't stop necessarily. Yeah. So, But with all that dumb stuff and all the immaturity that still might be there, yeah. that means that, there's things that can happen to you mentally all the way through to that age and um, have that old cliche, you're wishing you, wish, you, wish you knew a lot of things, you go back knowing what you know now and then you go back. I mean, it, it, there's a bit in that, but at the same time, you can't regret what you've already done. Um, so to that point, I think it's really crucial that um, if you can drive your own behaviours with help from others at that young age, yeah, I, yeah, I totally agree with that. Yep. Yeah. And it's, really. it's a tough one for, for
3: this is where you know boys do experience this more than girls. Again, is we like taking risks, you know, yeah. it's it's something that we enjoy. Do we enjoy pushing the envelope and something that parents, especially for the kids younger than me, probably eighteen and younger, the parents are really struggling with those kids is is the balance. And to be honest, I don't even think they're at the balance conversation for again. This is general generalised speaking they're so afraid of their kids taking risks and they're so afraid. And so they just, they just come in and they, they take away all the risk and they take away everything and you get to 18, 19, 20, 25, 30, 40, you've built no resilience into your kids. And so they have no idea on how to take risks. They have no idea on what happens when I go into work and I get a poor performance review from my boss. It's like that can that can rock people, that can rock kids, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and and so that balance of like, well, you need to actually let your kids go out there and make mistakes, and um, you know, Jordan Peterson talks. I don't know if you're familiar with Jordan Peterson. He talks about let the let the let the boys skateboard, right? Let them go out there, bruise themselves, break a bone, scab their knees, all these sorts of things, because that's how boys learn. That's how men learn. Is we we learn through okay, shit, that hurt. Maybe I won't take that risk again, you know? Like, you know, again, back to my story, I was I was drink-driving pretty frequently and I have not drunk-driven since I got caught and had all that thing happen. And and so, you know, that's a lesson that I try to teach my boys. It's like, hey, learn from me too. Like, you don't need to go down that path. That was just stupid and, you know, that was idiotic and all those sorts of things. But that, that risk-taking behavior is so common amongst boys and men that, if you don't kind of learn where that line is, um, it can be detrimental on both ends of the spectrum.
0: Yep. Just before we uh, go on, mate, we're going to bring up another mate of ours who's normally on the show. It's normally a bit of a Three Stooges act, and uh, we'll bring him up now, Glenn Curran, cuz. How are you, Good to see you. Yeah, hey,
2: hey lovey. Hey, Dylan. Great to have you on, mate. You're sp- very wise man, mate. Wiser than your years. <laughs> i don't know about that mate but thank
3: you i appreciate
2: it uh great to have you on mate it's very, i well, listened to you as i was driving home from work that's why i was a bit like and i know, I know the time difference had happened a bit earlier but mate we'll really appreciate yeah. you coming on mate, and, Enough, and, thank
0: mate, you. Thanks i wanted to touch on this uh this photo that i saw on your instagram and it's a really powerful one. I used Uh-oh. it as, uh, as their little intro, but uh, no, nah, it's safe. It's safe. But uh, <laughs> good one, okay, good. stop telling our young boys and stop telling our young boys and men to man up. It's a really yeah. powerful statement. Um, just tell us a little bit about where that came from and where that mm. was, and and where you know where you're using this uh, philosophy now.
3: Yeah, yeah. So I I think that the term. Traditionally speaking, has been used in a really, um, what's the right word, Un, unconstructive, What's it? like in a very poor way. It has, hasn't been very constructive to how, um, how our, our next generation of men operate or our next generation of men are coming through. And, and even your generation too, you know, we, we tend to associate manning up with just getting on with it. We tend to associate manning up with just getting over it, and when we tell men and we tell boys to man up with those negative connotations associated with it, it it just does a massive disservice to society everywhere. You know, broken men are not good for men or women, um, and when we when we when we t- tell 50% of the population that what they're going through doesn't warrant a human response it it can't end in any way but bad short term or long term and you can only man up for so long like it eventually the eventually the cracks are going to show in one way or the other eventually you're going to become an alcoholic eventually you're going to eat too much food to deal with the pain eventually you're going to become a workaholic and not spend time with your kids because you, you can't stand the man in the mirror and you don't want them to see you, right? There, there is a, there is some trade-off and it's not just in um, traditional sense of, yeah, alcoholism or drug abuse. It's, it's in so many different ways. It's in being disconnected from your partner and divorce rates going up, right? It's um, broken homes, broken families, anger, domestic violence there's so many different things associated when we bottle up our emotions and we don't deal with them healthily and when we continue to propagate oil we continue to have this conversation um that men need to man up and just get over it and just move on and you know things she'll be right and people have it worse over there or you know such and such has it has it worse than you it's just not solving any, any solutions versus having a conversation around, Hey mate, you know, I, I saw you lost your job. COVID's been tough. Can I help you out in any way? Can I, can I buy you a coffee? Can I, you know, can I buy you a beer? Can we, can we have a chat? I just want to check in with you mate um, and see how things are going. You know, the last, and I hate saying, especially the last 12 months, but especially the last 12 months, you know, hopefully people have bonded together. Hopefully people have reached out. Hopefully people have done what you've done, which is okay. Haven't heard from so-and-so in a while. Maybe I should reach out to him. You know, pre-COVID, dad would never go on a walk with his mates. And now I think him and... Scotty Clayton and a few of these other Fitzroy boys and old teammates now go on a weekly walk on a Sunday morning, I think, around Brighton, right? Like, that would have never happened pre-COVID, but because cause in Melbourne that was the only thing you could do was go for a walk with, like, at one time it was, like, with one other person and you had to stand 50 feet apart and get on the walkie-talkie to talkie to each other, right? So so it, it's it's these sorts of positive changes that we can take out of, out of the last 12 months um, where it's... Again, propagating positive masculinity. To me, to me, and this is a controversial thing to say, depending on what circle you're in, but there's, there is no such thing as toxic masculinity. Masculinity is not toxic. The lack of masculinity or the lack of healthy masculinity within people is dangerous. You look at weak men, they're dangerous men because they become resentful and then they start to act out and lash out to those that are even weaker than men. It's strong men, it's men with... Um, great values. It's men with um, healthy masculine traits, uh, leaders that we have in our lives that keep those weak men in check. That say no, that's not on, right? The the greatest um, contributor to antisocial behaviour, criminality in young boys is fatherlessness. So a lack of a father figure in a young boy's life is the number one factor to them going down the wrong path further in their lives we as men and we as boys and we as a society we need strong male role models in 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 society just as much as we need strong female role models right but we've demonized um one we've got the the man up side of society and then we've also got the all men are no good which is starting to gain a lot more traction you know in in the last five to ten years and so both are so unhealthy for society and so unhealthy for men and and again, I'm, I'm ranting because I'm so passionate about this, but the the idea that um, this doesn't also affect women when we tell men to man up is, is so, like, that's not how society operates. It's not like women are off all in Sydney and men are all in Melbourne and then we come together to make kids or something, right? Like, we live in a society where we're together. And so if 50% of society is not doing too well and they have harmful messaging, um to boys and to men it's going to affect women and so society should want to to have these conversations at the very least have the conversations um and then hopefully make change we're, we're at a time where awareness is we're, we're no longer not aware so we can't play the ignorance is bliss card around mental health or mental illness or masculinity or this sort of thing. we're aware we're aware of the problems now it's time for action, and it's time for, for change, and it's time for conversations like these.
1: Yeah, it's 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 interesting that um, you say that about the female aspect of it, um, and I do. It goes two ways with that. The, the, I agree with you. The toxic masculinity—it's an easy label to just to throw it out there from both. Both, both genders, right, and it's just—it's not correct. I think, Um, you know, it—it's just—it's not—it's not not so much that I think it's—I think they see that they perceive that as bullying, rather than it being a masculine thing, right? It's just a general—it actually is bullying. Mm. So the other sex bullying, bullying the other one, Um, but vice versa too. The—I think it's a cop out actually call it toxic masculinity because no one actually wants to address it whether that's between two people or whether that's between a group whether that's political political levels who who, doesn't matter um
3: well one it's one it's lazy as you said and two also it doesn't progress the conversation any further because if i say toxic masculinity what does eight out of 10 men do all right this person this person just just doesn't like me this person doesn't like and whether whether that's right or wrong that's the current landscape right now so how can we have a conversation that's going to include men to go okay hey there are things that men can be doing that are going to better themselves better society etc absolutely give me give me that conversation let's be a part of that conversation how can i break down the stigma around manning up right that's something that men have been involved in so i'm not saying that there aren't things that men are doing we're not perfect right but let's have conversations that include men and go, Hey, okay, let's, how do, how do we further this conversation so that it betters all of society?
1: Correct. Mm.
3: But, but as you said, like, it's just, it's just, you know, somebody, a man does something, you can just be like toxic masculinity. And it's like, well, that's not solving any problems. No, that's, that doesn't, that's not a solution based approach to anything. No. Um, and you, yeah. And it, it's frustrating. Um, especially working with young, you know, especially working with men and working with young boys, it's frustrating because they, they grow up, they do, they are growing up now thinking that there's something wrong with masculinity. Mm. Like that's what they, they just think masculinity is wrong or bad. And it's like, damn man, that's, that's, that's dangerous. That's a really dangerous rhetoric to, to grow up. And I, I feel really bad for anyone who, who preaches that.
1: Yeah. Off, off the topic, um, Moving off the topic, I've got one question now. Fun fact for you, Dylan. Um, yep. I have had the pleasure of playing a season of local footy with your uncle, Simon. Simon. Uh, Simon. Jastery, <laughs> back in 1999. Uh, yep. He's a very, very different cat back then. I don't know if he's changed his stripes at all, but That's very 99. different the way he went about things. But um, yeah, you weren't born, then. I mean, you would have been
3: just. 94. I wouldn't, have, I wouldn't be able to tell you if he's the same or different. Yeah,
1: yeah. 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 Um, and then I've coached against your, I, I presume it's your cousin Joel. Uh, Joel, uh, yeah, different intervals, and um, he was one of the, I just he was one of those guys that, geez, I wish, I wish he had have applied himself. He would have been an absolute star at VFL level, I reckon. Um, yep. but he was just a lad's lad, um, and that's fine. We all we all like those sort of things. Mm. But to your, to your Prince to King program, I guess my key question would be: I look at Joel and I go, what an ideal thing if he was, you know, I knew I saw him playing at twenty. The Prince to King thing and trying to get him more aware of about himself, and then as a group of players, because cousin I are currently helping out up at the Lauderdale Football Club, uh, senior coaching. How, how how would you go about? Is it would the Prince to King program work for a group of blokes like that? If so, how, what's the easiest way to start applying that sort of program with you? Because you're in Hawaii, you can't come out and talk to them. So, yeah. is it online? Do it what? How do you go about this sort of thing for us if we're, for instance, at From For a a football club, you mean? Yeah. It takes us how I'm going.
3: I think the greatest tool you can give anyone is self-awareness. And I don't – no, I don't think – I know we're not having those conversations. I know that we're not having – you know, if I was to tell you when you were eighteen years old, mate, go and journal. What would you say? Like, you'd be like, well, "What the fuck's journaling, mate?" Or like, "What the hell's that going to do for me?" Or,
1: you know, I'll just, like, I'll just text.
3: Yeah, right. Yeah. So, but but there, we've got these tools now that you know. Again, science is now proving. Hey, if you do this, this is what's going to happen, right? Mm. If you meditate, this is these are the benefits, all these sorts of things. So, from a footy club point of view, I think you just. You know, you've got in one team one one team that's playing 22 players, right? So you've got probably 40 to 60, you know, depending how yeah. wide the scope is of your footy club. You've got 100 100 kids there, 200 people are part of a footy club, whatever it is. 200 personalities, 200 kids with different aspirations, 200 kids with um, different goals. Half of them, nine, you know, 70% of them aren't really aware what those goals are or aren't too conscious about what the next step is in life um you know to 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 take to take joel for for example he he would have no issue with me saying he wasn't having those sorts of conversations at 20 you know you just you just do what everyone else is doing around you everyone else is drinking all right i'm drink everyone's playing footy all right i'm gonna keep playing footy um and to have the ability to step back and go hang on is this something that i want to do is and especially you know, especially young, young men, we just we don't think, we just do, right? Like here's yeah. a beer, okay, let me chug a beer. Hey, go jump in the ocean. All right. uh, no, they rock you know, like we just do we don't <laughs> think, we just do. So so self awareness is the biggest biggest um tool you can give young men, especially young men at footy clubs and and um, you know, Did spend you jump off that? Spend, did I jump off that? Uh, I swam in that, not that day, but I swam in that yeah, a few okay. times while I was up there. So yeah. bit of, bit of cold therapy. Um, and so I, I think time spent alone, time spent off of our devices, time spent journaling our thoughts, um, down on paper because once we get them out of our head and onto paper, um, it really starts to shift a lot of things and you know it's why it's why what's the statistic yeah you' 80 you're 50 or 80 percent more likely to achieve your goal just by writing your goal down hmm. so we know these things we, we, we now know that um, there are there are real benefits to writing it out and journaling and so you know, for a footy boy, you know, you're eight, 16, yeah, right, My 16 to 22, you, you're you in that age where, okay, what do you want to do for the next two, you know, even for the next 12 months, but for the next five years? Do you want to keep playing footy? Do you want to become a professional football player? What does that look like? Um, you've got, hey, mate, you've got, and, and this is the benefit of having, again, coaches and mentors to facilitate this for the young boys, mm. is to go, okay, mate, Hey, you have a shitload of talent. Like you could, you could make it. Here's what you do. You want to like, or are you happy being a local footy player? Because you can. Like, hey mate, if you want to be a local footy player, be a local footy player. But don't, don't kid yourself that you're going to become a superstar if you, if you're going to continue down the same route, right? I, I think the balance between support, you know, in my other business, we talk about champ, championing and challenging hey, mate, I'm here for you, the champion side, challenge pieces. hey, that is not acceptable. You can do better. That's not like... There needs to be both. It can't just be just the challenge and it can't be just the champion. It's got to be, a, you know, I'm here for you and also you're acting like a dickhead or like, mate, you want to be a professional footballer but you you drink piss from Friday to Sunday every weekend. It's not yeah.
1: happening. Yeah. 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 Okay.
0: Very good. That, um, definitely that life balance is an interesting one, uh, Dylan, that... Uh, you look like you've uh well it's interesting from the outside looking in you look like you've been able to achieve um most importantly recently um is that part of the the move to to Hawaii different space a different outlook
3: yeah um i mean the the the, the life balance is is you know you're you're on a seesaw really aren't you one day it's you've got really good life balance and the next you're going Yep. Where the hell did that balance piece go? So, um, I'm 26. I have very few responsibilities. Life balance for me is very easy to achieve. I don't have kids. I don't have a partner. I don't pay rent, you know. So, from the outside in, you're right. It looks like I'm doing pretty well. And I'm very fortunate that I can come to Hawaii. Um, I'm an American citizen. Um, again, you know, again, like it's an important thing that you do bring up from the outside in. You know, so mm. many young boys are looking at um, eat meat and going, "Shit, he's living the life." And I try my best to not portray this living the life thing. And I, and, I, and it's so funny. I actually had um, a really great conversation with our two business partners today. We did this exercise um, around our own code, so we have our own code the Momentum, and we're like, "Why don't we actually rate ourselves on how we're going?" And so. You know, we gave our score self scores out of ten, we gave notes and then we gave solutions to, to these twelve points and one of the things that came up consistently for me from the other boys was my brand is actually inconsistent. And you know, there are photos on my Instagram that are really good and it's cool, okay, he's working, he's doing this and that, and then there's also photos of me standing in budgies in front of a Ferrari and it's like, Well, what's that? Like what's what's a young you know, if I'm oh, man, you know, that yeah, there you go, there's there's <laughs> one right there. Like, what's that photo doing? <laughs> right?
0: So, so that, for me, that's, it's, it's that's a, what you teach young guys, mate, to get out of <laughs> there and enjoy themselves.
3: It's tough because I look at that and I go, well, I'm having fun and living my life. And if you don't like it, go away kind of thing. This is my page. And at the same breath, I'm, I'm also aware that I am teaching impressional, impressionable people or impressionable kids. What, what it means, you know, how to show up day to day. So it's, it's, it's great that I can do what I can do, but it, it's like the Spider-Man quote, like, you know, to to use a cliche with great power comes great responsibility. If I'm mentoring these boys, what am I teaching them by posting that? So Mm. it was a great conversation for me to have um, with my business partners today around that, because we all need that. Like we all need Mm. external sources to pull us up on our stuff. Even small things like that, which, you know, probably isn't that small, but it's, it's again, why, good footy clubs are so beneficial to young boys and why bad footy clubs are the most dangerous place possible for young boys, right? You come into a football culture where, and this has happened to me and to people that I know, you come into a football culture where the the coach is on a Saturday night doing cocaine with the captain. What hope does an 18-year-old coming into that have? Like, And I'm big on personal responsibility, and if I'm that 18-year-old, I'm going... Like this is, if I choose to do something that's on me, it's not on the coach or the captain. So I'm big on personal responsibility, but at the same thing, environmental factors come into play, especially an 18-year-old, 16, 17, 18-year-old level. So good football cultures, best place to be. Send your kids there. And that, and that's why, again, the responsibility piece that coaches, captains, leadership groups have on their entire football community really Um Versus those, those poor, poor cultures is, is huge. Mm. I can't even remember what the question was. I ranted for that long. I
0: don't, yeah. That's okay. I, um, I hope answered I, I, I,
3: think I, got,
1: I think I got a response.
0: We always talk about a, we always talk about a show that's 30 to 45 minutes and uh, you've been very generous with the time, mate, an hour. <laughs> and I know we could easily talk for another hour. You got
3: Absolutely. so much
0: to offer in this space and we'd love to have this chat again, mate. Um, because I think it's really important. Um, you mentioned, you know, we talk about in the last 12 months, I think the next 12 months are the most critical ones that we can come mm-hmm. across now, um, both mental health um, and also resets um, where we mm-hmm. can we can get together again and say, okay, where are we up to? And, and I yep. really like your comment about you kind of, to have three guys that you're working with now that can actually call each other out and say, guys, mm-hmm. let's rein that in. Let's pull that in. And it's not necessarily yeah. about perception of how you portrayed out there. It's more a case yeah. of just keeping yourselves honest so you can all yeah. achieve a common goal. And and I think you're doing some great things, mate, in, in amongst the both projects you're working on. Um, and I'm sure that's not the only thing you're doing, mate. You've got plenty plenty on the go all the time and, and really uh, look forward to having you on again. But both dylanrooscoaching.com is one to have a look for. And also the momentum lifestyle.com.au. And if you want to catch up with Dylan, I'll write this down. Uh, it's a link tree and you'll find out all the details about his courses and all sorts of things. So hopefully I've covered a few things there for you, mate. Um, yeah,
3: mate.
0: just a one question I've got without notice, uh, show 27, um, an influential number for you At number 27, anyone you've come across that's, uh, You've loved as a number 27. Oh, we always dude. ask this question.
3: You put me on the spot here. Uh, That's I'm all sure. part of it, mate. 20, 27. I'm trying to think. Who was 27 at the Swans growing up? I'm trying to think. Uh, do you, can, you, can you voice? I don't, I don't think they're... Oh, nah, I can't think of anyone off the top of my head. My favourite number was number two, which was Nick Davis. He was my favourite player growing up. What so about I'm a two and,
0: and a seven? Let's go Let's with that. Skew
3: that. And number, number seven was Ty Kennelly, I think, correct, at the Swans. And he was actually my mentor when I was at the state team for New South Wales. So there we go. I've managed to, to, to pull a rabbit out of a hat. Nick Davis is well, my no. home player, number two. Ty Kennelly was a big
2: influence in my under 18s year. So he was. Two different coach. players. Two Absolutely. Two different players, yep. yep. So what right we're going going with, while we're going with the hard questions, mate, so you've yep. got... That's Aaron's without notice. I'll sh... Same thing. Episode 27, I asked the same wage episode. You're having a dinner, Dylan. You can invite. Obviously, you're going. You can invite five people. Who are the five people? And they can be living five. or dead, but any five of you like. All right, Michael Jordan, Drake. Who I'm not sure if you
3: boys know who Drake is, but he's a yeah, yeah. we we'll we'll yeah. yeah. <laughs> just, just making sure checking the, <laughs> the generational gap isn't too far.
1: Oh, yeah,
3: uh, probably. Probably Tiger Woods, to be honest. Um, let's bring it back to Australia. Let's get some Australians in there. Jeez. Um, Chris Hemsworth, and I'm gonna go with. I need like a, I need like a philosopher or something in there to make me look smart, don't I? Like a, like a Carl Jung. Carl Jung. There we go. Make me look look a little bit smarter than I actually am. So they they'd be they'd be my five, I reckon.
1: So a real men's club.
3: Yeah. Awesome. Real, yeah, real, yeah, well, yeah. Yeah. Six can be Margaret Thatcher. There we go.
1: Six. <laughs> oh, wow. Wow.
3: It's going
0: to be an interesting mix, that one, for sure. Yeah. Interesting good enough, mate, uh, you didn't invite your old man. I have and, too, uh, many,
3: too many dinners with him. I don't need to have dinner with
0: him again. <laughs> Absolutely, but I'm sure, I'm sure he'd like to be at the table, mate, catching up with some of your mates. So that is, okay. that'd be a good one. But, um, just to finish on, mate, what else is happening with you? Um, just quickly, you know, what's what's your kind of plans, anything you're working on next, or um, do we just catch up with you on those links for now?
3: Those links for now, mate. Um, the Prince King program just kicked off a couple nights ago, um, and my next intake will be mid to late May. So you can start, you know, you can get in, you can jump on, I'm readily available, you can jump on calls with me if you've got any questions, parents out there, kids out there, can jump on a call with me for 15 minutes, chat to me. I'll answer any and all questions. Um, that link's in that link tree. Um, it's also on my website, I think, as well. So, um, yeah, just just the, the Prince King programs, what I'm really focusing on there. And then um, Momentum, too, for any guys out there, you know, 20, 25 and up. Um, our mentorship through Momentum starts next week. So it's going to be a 12-week mentorship. We've got a great group of guys already in that. We're hoping to get you know, 20 to 30 guys in there. We've got 15 at the moment um, and that'll be, yeah, real good group of guys going through that program for, for 12 weeks.
0: Fantastic to hear, mate. Um, once again, mate, really appreciate your time. Um, episode 27, as I mentioned, it wasn't supposed to go past number one, but you've been a good member of the number 27 club, mate. Um, I know that there's been a lot of superstars in the 27 club. Um, you're in Anderson, it for all the right huh? reasons, mate. Sorry?
1: Awesome, mate. Anthony Ingerson, Aaron, for you, mate.
0: Iconic. Yeah. I okay.
2: probably one iconic one better for me,
0: probably one better for me growing up as a kid was the great Irishman Sean White, mate. So I'll take, oh, yes. I'll take him. He was he was pretty handy. Pretty handy. Yeah.
2: could play the But boy. once
0: again, Dylan, thanks again for your time. Boys. Thank you, boys. Any, any last yep. comments or we're happy to Bye. wrap it there.
2: No, really good to have you on board, Dylan. Really appreciate it. We'll have to catch up with you in the next sort of six, 12 months. And as Aaron said, I think that'll be the interesting part going forward Now, how we all cope with how we come out of what's what we've been through, I suppose, for one of the better absolutely. words. Absolutely. Yeah, just uh,
1: make sure you're safe over there, mate. It's, appreciate uh, that. You, you guys too. Yep, yeah, absolutely. And look forward to catching up with you again very soon.
2: Yeah. Great to have you on, Definitely. mate. Thank you. Thank Cheers, you. Cheers, Dylan.
1: Have a great day, Thanks, mate. Mike. Take it easy.
2: Cheers. Cheers.